Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode one of season one of the podcast, The Not-So-Empty Nest. I've really been looking forward to this day, and I hope you have as well. I'm so glad you're here. So, I'm thinking that there are possibly a few of y'all that are wondering about the title I've chosen for this podcast. If that's you, then keep listening, and I believe you'll soon understand exactly what the title is referring to. Then I have no doubt there are others of you that know exactly what this title implies, because you, like me, are living in your own version of the not-so-empty nest. Can I tell you something? You are not alone. I plan to say that at the beginning of every episode of this podcast because I think it is so important to be reminded of that. Now, as Christians, we know that God is always with us. And I'm so very thankful for that comforting truth. But other times, many times, we are convinced that we are alone in our struggles when it comes to other people, other women, especially other Christians. And we may feel sure that if people knew what we were facing, what was going on in our family, what the real story was, that not only would they not understand, that they would judge us and judge us harshly. So, we may pull away from friends and stay at a safe distance, pretending nothing is amiss and keep on keeping on in spite of the emotional pain that we are experiencing. I don't know what is happening in your life, no more than you know what is happening in mine. But I only do know this, that chances are something is happening in every one of our lives to cause distress and discouragement. We live in stressful times, to say the least, and it doesn't help that social media has created a platform ripe for comparison and subsequent depression and even perhaps isolation. Let me just say this right here. Don't make the mistake of comparing your darkest moments to someone else's brightest moments. Let's be honest, we're not likely to share a picture on social media of our flopped dinner dish, but we're glad to share our successes. That's not being fake. It's normal to want to share and celebrate when things turn out right. The problem arises when we begin to believe the lie that everything is roses with everyone else because well, that's all we see. Every single day I hear of troubles that folks are facing. The trouble of a great variety and uniqueness to each person involved. But here are a few examples. Broken relationships, financial troubles, health issues, prodigal children. 
betrayal of trust, faltering marriages, false accusations, feeling unappreciated, unnoticed, unfaithfulness, unforgiveness. I could go on and on. And I'm sure you could add a few of your own to the list. I'd like to share with y'all today one of those times that I personally faced as a young married woman. For more than a decade, my husband and I rode the roller coaster of infertility up with hopes and down with test results, jerked one way with medications and pulled the other way with temperature charts. Oh, it was awful. And I felt like everyone I knew was trying to prevent what I was so desperately trying to achieve, pregnancy. The advice, oh man, that was plentiful and sometimes painful. Stop thinking about it was my personal favorite. And I always wanted to say, really? Try to relax. Take a vacation. Try this vitamin. Take this supplement. Get an adjustment from a chiropractor And one lady even told me to put my husband's shoe under the bed for a sure success. (laughs) It was so frustrating and discouraging. And oh, what I would have given during those days to have had one person say to me, Yeah, me too. I definitely felt alone and isolated, although I had plenty of people who loved me and cared about me and supported me. They just could not relate. And I was convinced that I was a defective woman. And furthermore, that God obviously did not think I would be a good mother. I'll tell you the rest of that story later, but right now, I want to tell you about another story a story found in scripture. I'd like to tell you about great expectations and how they can turn into great disappointments. If you have a Bible on hand, turn to 2 Kings chapter 5 or maybe just note that down to read later. We're going to read part of this passage together. But first, let me set the scene. The Syrian army had a commander that was highly respected by the king himself. It says right in verse 1 that the Lord had given Naaman great victories. He was wealthy, powerful, successful, and yet he had a serious problem. He had leprosy. Now, leprosy in that day and time was a death sentence, no doubt. There were no cures, no treatments, no hope. It was a heinous disease that would eat away at a person until one day it had spread to a vital organ, and then that would result in death. And unfortunately, it was not a quick or merciful death, but it was a sure death unless a miracle occurred. And Naaman needed a miracle, but he did not know the true God. In his land, they worshipped false gods, and those could obviously offer him no hope. As the tale unfolds, 
a little Hebrew girl that served Naaman's wife, knew God and knew of the prophet of God in Samaria, Elisha. She shared the information. Naaman listened and passed it on to the king. The king agreed that this was what should be done. And suddenly there was hope. Great expectations had arrived and soon a journey was underway. There was a full entourage with lots of precious metal and other valuable gifts. Some estimate it to have been as much as a million dollars in value. But it took several days to arrive at the palace where Naaman presented the king of Israel with a letter from his king. And the king of Israel was far from pleased. As a matter of fact, he panicked and he began to tear his clothes because of what the letter said. The letter simply said, here is my commander, Naaman. Cure him of his leprosy. (laughs) Oh, the king says, do these people think that I am God? And as a matter of fact, he was convinced that it was a trick to give Syria an excuse to attack and declare war. Elisha heard about the situation and sent a message to the king that Naaman should be sent to him. Now, I can't help but wonder if Naaman was already growing a little disillusioned with the way he had been received by the king, but he said it says he went to Elisha's house and Here is where we will start reading the text together in verse 9. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. So, Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. And then your skin will be restored, and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus? The Abana and the Farpar better than any of the rivers in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away and went away in a rage. Naaman was angry. He was outraged. He was insulted. He was offended. His great expectations had turned into great disappointment. Why was he so upset? Well, especially in ancient times, hospitality was a huge part of cultural etiquette and respect. When Elisha didn't even come to the door and greet him, well, that was like the proverbial slap in the face. And it says clearly in Scripture that Naaman had expectations of how he would be received. And it also clearly says those expectations were not met. 
It says he even expected the prophet to wave his hand around. Hey, y'all, I've never had leprosy, and I've never been in Naaman's exact situation any more than I've ever been in your exact situation or you in mine. But I do know what it means to expect one response and receive another. Maybe y'all do too. I know what it means to go the extra mile, make the extra effort, and do all you know to do only to be met with disregard, disrespect. I know. Maybe y'all do too. As a matter of fact, if Naaman were listening in today, I'd definitely say to him, Yeah, me too. Because I can relate. And you know what? If that was the end of the story, it would definitely end in great disappointment. But it wasn't the end of the story. And what we're facing during this trying season is not the end of the story either. Naaman had some decisions to make. First of all, he listened to the wise counsel of one of his soldiers. He could have refused that. He could have disregarded the words of an inferior positioned person. But he listened. And remember, he listened to the little servant girl, too. I think this says something about his character. And secondly, he humbled himself and did what he did not want to do. He did not see the sense in it, but he did it. He followed through with the process that he had been given. Did you know that promises can be conditional and most of the time promises are conditional? What that means is you have your part to do. I have my part to do. And then God does his part. Well, had Naaman not done all of these things, he would have never seen his great expectations fulfilled. When he went to that muddy Jordan River, he couldn't see the reason behind it. He couldn't understand how this could possibly make a difference. And yet, he obeyed the prophet's instructions. He dipped once and twice and a third time. I wonder if he considered giving up at some point before that seventh dip. I wonder if he hesitated and felt foolish when nothing happened in the fourth and the fifth dip. I don't know about that, but I do know he finished the process and he received his miracle. Friends, I don't know what dip you're on. In some situations, I feel like I am way past seven. Did you know that seven has a special meaning and significance in the Bible? It represents completeness. All through scripture, you will find the number seven prominently referred to. And each time, it gives a significant message. The miracle is complete. The healing is complete. The forgiveness is complete. The story is complete. Complete. It is my prayer today that you and I will learn from this powerful story of a person who needed God to do what he could not do for himself. 
I'm there in some situations. I've truly done everything I know to do. Maybe I've done more than I should have tried to do. I hope we, like Naaman, will be willing to humble ourselves when necessary and allow the process to be completed in our own situations. I know it wasn't what you expected. I know you don't understand. Believe me, I know. But I also believe with my whole heart that Romans 8.28 is true and applies to me and you. All things, all things means all things. But it doesn't say all things individually or all things as they stand alone. It says all things worked together. And somehow, some way, God will complete this story in a way that blesses everyone and honors Him. I truly believe that. And many times, the miracle will be received under different circumstances than we were expecting or at a different time than we were expecting. And then there are other times where we've made assumptions and come to conclusions that simply are not the way that God intends the story to go. I often remind myself that although I enjoy writing a story and although I sometimes get to contribute to my story, my life is God's story. He is the ultimate author and he may include unexpected twists and turns that might catch me off guard. This is why we must put our faith in Him and not in our great expectations of the way that we expect things to go. Speaking of a complete story, I need to finish telling you mine. So, after more than a decade of infertility, miscarriages, and even a failed adoption attempt, God asked something of us that made no sense in the natural. He called us to foster care. It seemed foolish to so many people. We were setting ourselves up for heartache and disappointment, many of them said. Being childless, it would hurt even more when the children left, some advised. Maybe they were right in some ways, but see, they didn't know how God would complete this particular chapter of our story. Our great expectations went through a season of great disappointment, but after 15 years of fostering dozens of children, our family was made complete as we were so blessed to adopt seven beautiful children out of the foster care system. Now, I wish I could tell you that after that wonderful miracle that I never needed another one. Well, of course, that's not the case. There have been many other struggles, but those are stories for another time. Just know that many times I have seen my great expectations delayed, rearranged, re-clarified, redirected, and maybe even ending up 
looking totally different than anything I ever imagined. Sometimes it's the heartbreak that seems unbearable, the confusion that seems unreasonable, but every single time God has proven himself faithful. Now, as for us today, like Naaman, we have choices to make when great expectations are met with great disappointments. When people treat us in ways we can't understand, when it seems our prayers are not being answered, when we've tried our very best to do everything right, oh, oh, how disheartening it can be. And we can choose to take offense, nurse our wounded ego, declare the unfairness of it all, or maybe just give up and quit before we get to dip seven. Or we can choose to obey completely, trust the Lord and the process to forgive and keep forgiving, keep praying, keep trying, and keep having great expectations, even when they are delayed. Whatever you do, don't abandon having expectations as a safety measure to avoid disappointment. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectations. With that, I'll close this very first episode of The Not-So-Empty Nest. And this week, as you face the many responsibilities of all the stages that you are managing all at once, take courage, be wise, get some rest, and always, always expect great things. Bye for now. I'll see you next week when I share some more personal accounts and we will discuss other Bible characters that will help us all remember that we are not alone in our struggles. We might even find ourselves saying, yeah, me too.